I came downstairs and the kids were hollering at each other and Faith is sliding down the banister. Squeak! Hollering back at Tito. Yeah, she's not pleased with having to actually work to earn her screen time. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I don't like having to work to earn my money. Such is life. Hey, flush the toilet! Too busy to flush! Uh, welcome everyone to Too Busy to Flush. This is your first time joining us. Thanks for being here. This is our little effort to invite you into our lives where we uh, attempt to raise four children in a world where people are weird and hard. We have uh, 12, almost 13, 11. What are you doing over there? I have a metal tea thing strainer. Ah, I can talk about some of my weirdness. I'm trying to get it out, but I don't have a good place to put it without like dumping, making a lot of noise, first of all. That's fine. And well, we have dripping to you. Do that while I, end, while I finish introducing the show. We've got <laughs> uh, four kids, 12, almost 13, 11, 10, and five. Molly paused so she can make sure I get the right ages, right? I'm sure. Yeah, it's hard to keep track. We've been married for 16, 15. We're in our 16th, right? We are in our 16th yeah. year. Yeah, we're in our 16th And year. this is JR, and I'm Molly. Did I not introduce our names? We did not do that part. Oops, sorry. I think most everybody out there knows, but it is. Anyway, we don't know where the show is going to go. So if you want to take a look at the show notes to see if it's anything of interest to you or not, you can do so. Maybe that's why we had a fall off is because I started doing those show notes. People are like, eh. Not interesting. Eh. Uh, I don't remember whose husband it was on Telegram, but he only listens to facts at two times speed. He won't listen to conversational podcasts. I said, well, we can't be friends. That was a joke, of course. <laughs> he um, doesn't want to be your friend anyway. So no. I'm drinking. He doesn't. Did he say that? Maybe he's not listening to our podcast. It just goes without oh, saying. Fair. Although we would probably get along swimmingly in person. We probably would. We could, we could spit facts and you could respond to them. Um, I'm drinking my Peak Teas, which is my favorite tea of all time. And if you guys want to throw us a bone, uh, you can order with our referral code. It's in the show notes. It's delicious. I have a green tea every morning, fermented puer. And then most afternoons, not all of them, I have uh, fermented black tea as well. Good for all that ails you both immunity and other things. So, And it's like uh, green tea also has an a- amino acid called L-theanine, which uh, is actually very calming for you, helps with anxiety and helps you sleep. So yep. it's very interesting that green tea, which contains caffeine, is also good for sleep. I haven't had an issue since I've been even having um, a little bit of this tea every afternoon, most afternoons. I haven't had an issue sleeping, mm-hmm. um, which has been really nice. So there is that. You guys, we just got back from a trip to Bozeman where our dentist Which is lives. about two hours The away amount from of us. crap I get from people. For driving two hours. For driving hours two hours to a dentist. Or like, uh, like just today, one of my buddies like, um, Billings has dentists. Let me Google that for you. And I responded and said, knowing he and his wife, I said, well, I'll just have my wife tell your wife about the dentist. Then you'll be going too. <laughs> <laughs> which is he's like we oh. <laughs> we learned about this dentist by word of mouth specifically a friend of ours who drives he and his wife and their six kids all go over there not only for their dentist but also for their primary care uh natural path they drive to bozeman for that as well and he recommended this dentist to jr it's uh it it's basically the naturopathic version of dentistry. It's called biological dentistry and our integrative holistic. Yeah. There's different phrases, but uh, one, if you want to go down a 
two rabbit holes. Uh, you can look up uh, root canal problems. Uh, root canals, it's, it's virtually impossible to cl- really clean out infected dead matter from inside of a tooth, which is what a root canal essentially does and then supposedly seals it off. And so root canals can fester with infection. Pretty much if you have a root canal, you have an ongoing infection in your body. And the nerves in your teeth connect to the whole rest of your body. And so it, it is very possible to have ba- ongoing back spasms or knee pain because of a root canal that you've had. And if you want to argue with me over this, go ahead and do some Googling and like pick a fight with your spouse. I'm just sharing information <laughs> that I have learned from the internet. And I'm saying the internet as capital T, capital I. Take it or leave it. Do your own research. We have done enough research to be convinced that it is worth it to drive two hours to the dentist and two hours for the oral surgeon that was recommended by the dentist for JR to have two root canals. Two root canals and four wisdom teeth pulled. Removed earlier this summer. uh, And those will be replaced ideally with implants. If Maybe. they get replaced at all. Maybe. They said give it six months, see if I miss them. Yeah. So, um, so anyway. The molars. That's, that's where we've come to. The other the other reason that we really like this model of dentistry is it's a more proactive preventative care for kids. And so um, Elise just got... In fact, I will take some pictures of the... So Elise just got fitted for a, a, what's called a myobrace. And it looks a bit like something that a uh, a pink player, version of what a football player would wear as a mouth guard. MMA, a mouth guard. Yeah. But it does a couple of things. It's actually exercising her her mouth and her tongue. It's redirecting how she breathes to be more of a nose breather. And this little kid's booklet that she has, she's supposed to do some exercises like practicing swallowing with her tongue in the right place and just standing with her tongue in the right place in her mouth. Uh, and there's things, there's a little, it doesn't give you as much information as you could get, again, on the internet, capital T, capital I, about problems with nose breathing as opposed to breathing with your mouth. But nose breathing make, or mouth breathing makes you more susceptible to infection. It compromises your teeth. Uh, it breeds bad bacteria in your mouth. You get less, less the quality of air that you get into your lungs is worse. And also, like, perpetual mouth breathing actually reshapes your face and can affect poor posture. So it's healthy to make fun of mouth breathers. It's not healthy to make fun of mouth breathers. But uh, but but this dentist is actively, it, and it okay, will not prevent other, snoring lifelong. There's two other things that the mild brace does. It actually corrects and realigns all of her teeth um, without having to use braces. And it also Because corrects, it's widening her jaw to make room for her teeth, It right? also... I don't I don't know exactly which direction they're going with this. And it also um, straightens out and realigns her jaw to keep those teeth in place. Now, um, let's fast forward. So she's eight. So let's fast forward almost like, what, 32 years? And what happens if you don't do any of that? Then you're <laughs> paying through the you nose end up, to have You end up in a situation it. where I'm in now. Um where I will have to get braces, but I will be going through a Mago brace prior to that to recorrect all of my jaw alignment issues, 
which have caused all of my tooth issues, which have caused a variety of things like uh, headaches and jaw aches and jaw grinding and, and misaligned. also so jr's Hang on, i'm getting there oh, i'm getting okay. misaligned uh misaligned teeth my entire bottom row is erupting and pushing backwards into my mouth because of that because of i had the wisdom teeth that was too small those are never pulled my whole jaw was totally out of whack so i've i've since worn down all of the enamel on my on my lower front row it's gone She's because like, there's just so much pressure she said here's the deal you can do two things you can uh, wear a myo brace, similar to what Elise is doing, for the rest of your life, every single night, and that will delay any uh, any certain lower problem teeth problems, like losing my teeth. Essentially, <laughs> she's like, or we can get you into a mago brace, get your jaw realigned, get your wisdom teeth pulled, and then uh, we can go in with corrective braces and correct your whole row, so you have a better, you have a, a permanent bite that's not then grinding down all of your teeth. And I said, let's do that one. She's like, then you that, that will actually fix the problem. So, I mean, I'm 40. I'd like to have my natural teeth until I'm 75 or 80 or however long I live. Uh, let's aim for um, so, let's aim for 90. Okay. So anyway, um, that's I'm actually gonna begin, I'm gonna begin that treatment at some point in the next probably six months. I wanted to make sure I still had cash after getting my kids taken care of because I'm making them. <laughs> The priority but anyway yeah so um, my jaw was never closing properly because of all my wisdom teeth and now that it's closing properly but i've already done all that damage over the last 30 years so um so do you chew you feel like you chew food differently now than 100 yeah no I've, I've i've run into so many problems where i've inadvertently bitten my lip because my jaw has so much more flexibility now hmm. and i chew differently i've been trying to i've been like even just looking through her stuff with a myo brace mm -hmm. correct tongue, tongue placement yeah when my mouth is at rest, when your mouth is at rest, your tongue, the tip of your tongue should be just behind your front teeth, just just as it starts to rise. Yeah. That's where it should sit normally. Mine sits at the bottom of my mouth. That's a problem. Oh, really? Yeah. Hence why sometimes I think maybe it falls back when I snore at night. Yep. It's not strong. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to, even before all this stuff, keep it at the top of my mouth when I'm not doing Interesting. anything that proper tongue placement also affects how wide a kid's jaw is mm -hmm. um, yeah palate so, adjustment type stuff yeah well so the cool thing about her is she does all of the stuff your normal dentist would she's gone to all the dental schools it's all the dental practices but she whoops sorry um that i didn't stop it um why is youtube open i'm trying to open my show notes um there it goes again um so anyway she uh you know they do all of the normal dentistry stuff but standard dental training is 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 way behind. It, and so, standard dental training, from what she described to you, is is reacting to problems. It's all reactive, so nothing's proactive. So she takes the dental school plus all of the inf the new science and the new information, and everything else, and adds that to what she's doing. She's got people that fly from out of state mm -hmm. in for there is. So I have stuff. two dentists that I follow on Instagram. And I will make a note to self. If you follow us on Instagram, I will share. I'll share the link for our dentist as well. I'm, she's super booked full, but. I will share. Although, uh, by the time this gets uh, released, they'll probably have already been shared. But if you follow us on Instagram, there's two biological dentists that I follow that you might be interested in uh, checking out. Um. What's the other thing I was going to say? Oh, well, we're talking about 
semi-crunchy things that we do and that other people might like to know about. I have I know that I have mentioned before the sh- the uh, program Body Talks Basics, which is a gal named Megan who created a mom daughter online puberty course that I purchased to do with our just turned 11 year old daughter have not done it yet I'm feeling a little bit of a pressure now got to get it done because it's uh rapidly approaching uh when she'll need that information but I have followed Megan the body talks basics gal on Instagram for several years everything she says she just is the sweetest personality and all of the reviews of the course are these young girls feel like it's a big sister talking to them. She gives tons of really helpful information, things that I am looking forward to learning about my own female body. And she's very, this is, this is one of the things that I really love about her tone is how beautiful it is to be created in the body that you were given. And a lot of, a lot of puberty discussions that I was given when I was younger we're on the spectrum of it is what it is, deal with it to you, but deal with it. <laughs> and, um, and so there's not a lot of, you know, which, which I'm, I'm super sensitive to that in this day and age, especially because, because we can't afford to not lean into the beauty of how God has created our sexed bodies because the stakes are very high. That if youth, particularly girls who are entering the discomfort of puberty, are in a cultural milieu where they recognize that there are options, and I just did scare quotes when I said options because they're not good options, but a lot, the whole rapid onset gender dysphoria thing, a lot of it has to do with girls approaching puberty and not wanting to go through with all the ooh and ick of their bodies changing. And not wanting to become sexualized, not wanting their bodies to become sexualized objects for men. Those are two huge things driving girls to want to take puberty blockers and be transgender. And so, you know, even in our own world, you know, the stakes of that are not very high. You know, Lily is not online. She's, you know, getting exposed to all of this. She's not in a world where she's going to be drinking of this um, worldview that would say there are options, but it still put lit, lights a fire under me, under me to say, let's, let's learn the, let's see the good and the beauty in this. And let's learn how to care for our bodies. Uh, Megan's talk, body talk basics has a lot of, um, so period cramps, period pain is very common, but it's not normal. It's an indication that something is off in your body. And so she just has a lot of, here's how to really nourish your body. And she's, again, I like her because she's always, she's got affiliate links for all these things, but she's always promoting getting in your minerals and taking these herbs. And she makes her own ginger tincture that she sells on Etsy for period cramp pain. But And she takes liver and she has a particular brand of collagen that she loves. So all those things, obviously, I'm going to like her for that, even though I'm not using her code for that. Anyway, all of that to say, if you have a daughter who is within the age span of needing to have these sorts of conversations, 
Megan is having an anniversary sale. She has two sales every year, one on Mother's Day and one on the anniversary of her launching her course. And if you just look up, I'm fairly certain she shared, she will share the code for her sale on Instagram. Uh, but she also will send it out in an email. And all that to say, if you want to participate in that uh, and you uh, are not aware of how to get in touch with her, ping us with a postcard or something and I can follow up with you on that. But just look up Body Talks Basics on Body Talk Basics on Instagram if you're on there and uh, get a coupon to buy her course because it's very rare that I would give a ringing endorsement of something I haven't used yet. But um, in this case, I'm so confident in it. Once I do the course, I'm going to apply for an affiliate code with her. But I, even though I haven't done the course yet, I, I'm really confident that you will find it worth your while. And Sounds like it'd be right up your alley. Like to know that too. they're exactly. And oh. the, the positivity on it too is what I just really mm. love. Speaking of Canebox, before we jump into another topic, while we're on kind of the topic, invite people to your, your online thing. So I, I run a discussion group in my home once a month. We get together and talk about topics related to marriage and sexuality. And this year I'm focusing on masculinity and femininity and am hoping to get enough interest to launch a parallel online version of the course. And so if you would be interested, uh, shoot me a, a postcard. I did get one from somebody last week and I haven't followed up with you yet. I apologize. But also if you think of it, note if you have preferred days of the week and time of day, specifically afternoon versus evening and what time zone you're in, that would be super helpful information to me as I try to figure out if I can get critical mass to get this jump started. We would start by talking about kind of the philosophical basis of how we approach understanding what manhood and womanhood, masculinity and femininity look like from the from the vantage point of universal principles. And if you're curious what that means, listen to our last episode where I talk a lot about the research I've been doing on masculinity uh, across cultures. But anyway, I would love to have a handful of you guys out there join in with me. Uh, it would be just one hour a month and with maybe an hour and a half of prep reading ahead of time. Sweet. Yep. Um, I'll include a link for a postcard and all that stuff um, in the show notes. I'll do a specific link for that in the show notes as well as a couple other ways for you to contact us at and stuff. Yeah, I actually, I didn't we just record last on Saturday? I think so. I feel like not a lot of water has gone under the bridge in terms of my okay, brain power. So we're going to end the show tonight. Thanks for coming today. <laughs> Fit 20 minutes of just randomly talking about dentists. You mean you could and... do a daily show? Uh, <laughs> you know, the people... You'd have to go to the 24-hour news cycle. Yes, which would be really hard on my soul. 
Uh, no, people like Ali Stuckey, who do daily shows, they have huge research teams behind them. And interviews. They have different guests all the time. That's true. Stuff, yeah. That's true. And you could be driving. Because like in the radio world, when I was there, you'd hand, your producer would do all the work for you, hand you basically, uh, if you, I mean, you did, most really good hosts did all their own research. Like they came to Which the is table. their job. They're not teaching right. four kids and running a household. Right. But then the producer would have like would create like a cliff notes or a highlights version, just bullet points to have. So they right have that. Yeah. I was listening to somebody say one time you could tell when I think it was I was listening to Rog uh, Joe Rogan and Douglas Murray. And Murray was like, You can tell when people haven't when you go on an interview and people haven't read your book. Or they mm -hmm. haven't like mm -hmm. as an author, you know. Yeah. Just almost within if they're minutes. working off of somebody else's notes. Yeah, they've or if they've actually, actually read it. And read stuff. it. It's yeah. Kind of funny. Speaking of Douglas Murray, I went down an Instagram rabbit hole of reading some of his stuff, not to <clears> or watching <throat> clips of him not too long ago. Did you know he's gay? No. So that that's what makes he's really really anti the the alphabet people like he actually refers to Chappelle in his alphabet people car remember the mm -hmm. Chappelle thing because he he's like don't boil down who I am to my sexual preferences and don't assume anything that don't assume anything about me based on the fact that you think I belong in this car with all the alphabet people and also I have nothing in common with any of those other people like interesting like gay men and lesbians are completely different and you know and he's like bye again like he had some kind of snarky phrase about him and then he was like and trans like again like the we are like completely different like there's other than the fact that somebody decided to shove us all together to make a victimized minority group um we we do not belong together and do not make this an identity issue. I downloaded his book, The War of the West, The War on the West. Mm -hmm. I haven't started it yet on Audible, but I did download it. Does he read it? I don't know. I he think so. No, he did. Super bummer to have no, no, no. He an said, American reading sorry. Douglas Murray. I think Murray. he did say because he made guys. this he made this comment on Rogan's podcast. He said, I read the book, so I have because he wants to he has a lot of um just a lot of snark. It surprises me that he's gay because he makes fun of yeah a lot of that world. He comes across um, as very straight laced and conservative. But he uh, so he has his snark in his tone, which is I mean that that whole podcast episode had me laughing. I was mm -hmm. just constantly cracking up. Um, but it just the way he taught his tone and the way he delivers, like he's, he told Rogan, he's like I'm, I read the sh I read the show so I can or the book so book. I can retain. I can retain that. his own voice yeah. in it. Yeah. So I've been debating and I keep coming down with a no answer about talking about the whole Israel Hamas Palestine thing together. And I'm just throwing this out here for people to say, like, I have really zero interest in adding to that. It's not really a conversation, is it? It's just people yelling into the void. They're not super informed opinions. Um, if you have an informed opinion or you feel you have a very informed opinion about the Middle East conflict, good for you. I don't feel like I have enough information to say anything other than like the, the body count and the things that we're I hearing are opinion. horrific I mean, and heartbreaking. I just, 
this is the fourth or fifth or sixth war that Israel's gotten into with somebody or somebody's gotten into well, with Israel. Well, this is the worst. Somebody, this you know, is basically the worst. Is it in, it their, is. in the history of their nation? Yeah. In the history of their nation, biblical and otherwise. This well, is the worst one? No, no, no. Okay. That's Two, my no, no, point. No, no. That's Two my things. point. Like, no, no, no. Israel, the modern nation state of Israel is completely different than biblical and historical fair. Israel. I would never say... I'm going to compare the modern nation state of and the Israel weird, the to weird thing, the weird thing, um, we could really get into some interesting territory here. I read early on when I was researching a documentary, I read, um, was part of a circle of, uh, Presbyterian, um, missionaries and thought people and everything else. And I, one of them, That's right. we have a whole bookshelf of like Palestine mm-hmm. things, don't we? Palestinian Christians, the plight mm-hmm. of the Palestinian Christians and reading about Israel coming in and taking over back over that land, um, was just as horrific mm-hmm. as some of the stuff that Hamas is doing now. I, I would, I would qualify that. I don't think they were beheading children and raping women. They weren't beheading and raping women. It, yeah, you're right. It's it's worse now. But um, I'm, that's not even that say... was just like it's just it really created in me a, a large because, you know, that I grew up with a very pro-Israel stance. Yes. Like in that in that evangelical world that everybody who wasn't an Israeli was. You grew up in a Zionist. I grew up in a Zionist yeah. culture. Well, yeah. So did I. So did I. Whoever, you know, and, and, and who, if you're a Palestinian, you weren't worth saving, essentially. And then all of a sudden I'm reading these books late in life, like in my thirties. And I'm like, it completely reversed my perspective on, on, uh, on that particular Israel versus Palestine issue. I Mm -hmm. mean, if, if God is truly God and came to save the world, he's coming to save the Palestinians and the, all of the generation, the hundreds of generations past the Amalekites or, you know, the Babylonians and all these other ancient enemies of Israel that they failed to wipe out early in the old, in the old Testament that are you know still apparently plaguing them today. And it's like, God still needs to save them too. So there's a whole nother man. It's, it's a mess. The geopolitical situation aside. Oh, yeah. There's just a whole nother, like, it's still just too, I, the language you just sent me an article today or a Facebook post right. from a church in town about, um, how this the pastor of this church is going to be doing a workshop on the end times and how this fits how we, into the how prophecy. How we are seeing of, prophecy being fulfilled oh my before our very eyes. So that actually, as I as I introduced this, saying I I haven't really felt called to talk about it, and I don't really feel called to talk about it necessarily, especially from the point of view of our lack of knowledge. What I do, um you know like my kids watch world watch which again i'm not an affiliate but if you have kids world watch is fantastic for news briefs that are um that are filtered from a biblical lens but you know so they're they're watching some of it they don't necessarily feel the gravity of possibly being on the verge of world war three quite like some of us do but but my as i'm I'm trying to filter it through the lens of a mo- of being a mom and a teacher to them. And I I read that I sent you that again like this gal was just raving about how amazing it is to hear her her pastor preaching about watching 
biblical prophecy unfold before our very eyes. And I was like, and then what? And then, and then what, when, when whatever he says is going to happen next, doesn't happen because you don't know what Jesus says is no one knows the day or the hour. And when he said, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, and that is not the end. And I'm sure that there have been many times in world history, guarantee you World War One and World War II, probably the Civil War, probably every war, where people have been like, this is it, this is it. And although I think the obsession... Oh, there's, with- weird, there's weird corners of the internet, like even, even some family that we know, um, that they've been predicting things since I can remember. And none of it comes to pass. And yet they still keep predicting things. It's like... Guys, yeah. why is every why is everybody still listening to you? Um, yeah, that was a thumbs up from the kids because mm. I told them that if they accomplished a fairly extensive to do list, that I would let them watch an episode of the Tuttle Twins. Holy cow, this is turning into like promoted stuff that we don't get paid to promote episode. But you on Angel Studios, kids can watch the Tuttle Twins show for free, and our kids absolutely love it. They think it's hysterical, and they're learning libertarian principles from it from this time traveling grandma and her two kids but and i have to go upstairs and unlock my computer for them quickly so they can watch it but very quickly let me just close the loop on this thought because i'm going to come back with a blank mind and we're going to have to start from scratch not true i'm going to jog you with something okay but but i think we i think the call what my take on being bombarded with the current events right now about Israel is let's be really clear who the church is. Let's be really clear who the people of God are. And God calls us to care first for the people of the house of God. And so we recognize that there are Christians in both Israel and Palestine who are suffering. Our focus should be on praying for them and on caring for them tangibly if we can. And just on keeping our mind really clear on what is the church? Uh, and then secondly, what is the purpose of the church? What is our call? And I think our call is to keep living faithful lives wherever we are. And if that means as a homeschool mom of four, keeping my head down and keeping the news cycle turned off so that I can be present with my kids and I can be pointing their souls in the direction of Christ and training them deeply what it means to be a Christian in a culture that hates Christ, that hates the things of the Lord. And I can point to the example of people in Israel and Palestine, where which neither of which are Christian cultures. <laughs> um, you know, and and if if that's how we how we imbibe of the global news, then then that's how we do it. But I guess that's my my thing is if I can't do anything about it. Why let my soul be distressed? Keep mm-hmm. my head down and focus. You know, the, we're in Babylon. Plant gardens, have children, be a blessing where you are. I mean, there's a lot of cultivating that we need to do right now in our own little spheres and not letting our hearts fret about things that we can't control, even as knowledge allows us to be engaged, be wise citizens, be prepared in the case that something dramatic does happen uh but i yeah anyway the the 
who is the church, who is the people of God, is a tremendously unclear issue in American Christianity. Uh, I would say right now, but it's been that way for many years, for yeah. basically all of my growing up. And and so, uh, you know, when I... When you can you, say something along the lines of something electric, like the Israelites are no longer God's chosen people. Well, depends on how you define. I mean, I mean, here, how does Paul define true Israel in the book of Romans? Uh, There has been, interestingly, a lot of discussion in Reformed Instagram world about replacement theology, which is basically that God replaced Israel with Gentiles, replaced ethnic Israel with Gentiles. And that is not the biblical image at all. No, I mean, I, I've always likened it. And I can't speak. We don't have adopted kids. And I can't speak to adopted kids. But I know several families with adopted kids. And I know one family with biological and adopted children. And it's and those biological children are always going to be their biological children, regardless of what they do. But the adopted children have exactly the same rights, and privileges. rights privileges, status, Within the family. Like, there's and, no distinction there. And they have the same permanence. Same permanence. Once they are grafted in. Yeah, once they are um, adopted in that family. But it doesn't mean... And that... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the, the imagery in, in... But you can't separate that that biological piece. Even if that the children were to go off and go, yeah, yeah, bonkers. Well, they're you can They're always going to be biological. Yes. But that doesn't mean that they're going to heaven. You no, know, like that's where that's not what I'm saying. There's always a biological connection. Yes. I'm going to go turn Tuttle Twins on for the kids and I'll be back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. Quickly. So the, the imagery in Romans is of, of the Gentiles being grafted onto a tree. And uh, it, it actually goes really well with our pastor's sermon last Sunday because the whole, the imagery of the branch, the promised branch in all throughout a lot of Old Testament prophecy, which Jesus is the branch, right? But he was like, picture a tree that has died and there's just a stump and then a shoot comes up out of it. So the roots of the tree are still alive. And there's a there's a promise of a remnant uh, that is also described as like a shoot coming out of what looks like a dead tree. And that tree imagery is... You have the main tree with the roots, which are, I will be your God and you will be my people. Uh, and the main trunk has been physical Israel for many years and now grafted onto a main trunk that was cut down during the exile. Uh, there are shoots of ethnic Israel coming out, but also grafted in is a huge branch flourishing branch of gentiles that's a cool is i I mean pretty cool analogy yeah god came up with it so you know he's all right at the analogies (laughs) what was that passage (laughs) what that analogy the well it's romans i mean that's paul talks about you know that somebody's gonna want to know gentiles being grafted in is romans but then the the shoot of jesse i mean I, I don't remember the our our sermon was Zechariah, right? But yeah, um, Zechariah three. But there's prophecies about the branch and the remnant sprinkled throughout a lot of the Old Testament prophets. But 
Romans 9 to 11 is the Gentiles, the super confusing. And you're saying that there's debate right now, like on what's the proper perspective? Well, so... Or so, people are just getting excited about this no, thing so, already. So yeah. there's a... Um, I, I think that, I don't know where the term replacement theology came from. I've never heard it until the last two weeks. But if you contrast that to dispensational theology, which is that, that ethnic Israel was God's plan A. And well, this is, there is no plan this, B. The, well, Sorry. This is classic dispensational. I don't think there are very many dispensationalists who believe this anymore, but when I was in seminary and Vern Poitras was the resident expert on dispensational theology. Westminster was not dispensational at all, but Poitras had actually gone and taken a leave of absence from Westminster and studied with dispensationalists at Dallas Theological Seminary, mm-hmm. which was like dispensational central back in, you know, like yeah. the 80s and the 90s. And he wrote a book, a really simple, accessible book called Understanding Dispensationalists. And I think it's probably kind of outdated now because DTS, Dallas Theological Seminary, does not hold that anymore. And they have shifted. I I don't remember the terminology that they use anymore, but it's not classic dispensational. But classic dispensationalism would say, and again, feel free to shoot us a postcard or interact with us on Telegram if you disagree with me here. But in my understanding of it, Israel, ethnic Israel was God's plan A, to put it kind of crassly, that didn't work out so well. So Gentiles were God's plan B to continue carrying out his plan, his, uh, you know, his, his plan, I guess, here on earth. And so plan B is this, uh, this, you know, if you were to look at a timeline, basically Jesus to present day is plan B, which is Gentiles. And then... And I do, after studying Romans in depth for two years in a row, first with a group of gals from church and then BSF the next year, I do think that the idea that there will be a mass conversion of ethnic Jews close to the end, quote unquote, at some point, I do think there's biblical merit to believe that. Paul does seem to say a large group of my ethnic brothers and sisters will turn to Christ, uh, at some point, but that, and so at the end, you know, there's, and then it goes back to plan A, which is why America has been dispensationalism was kind of the, that theological take on Israel for many, many years in modern America and the West in general, which is why we're so gung ho for modern Israel, because that well, says, yeah, this is, you know, God is, Moving back to plan and, A. And when God moves, so carry it forward, when God moves back to plan A, that is the quote unquote, like that's all the end time stuff yes. right there. Now, what is weird, uh, not weird, but where I fell, where it never made sense to me is uh, it, it, it kind of devalued... Um, it devalued Gentiles. Like they yeah, still like weren't the quite as important. Second class citizens were Plan B. You still had to. That's why you had like that, and that that drove geopolitical discussions. At least when I was growing up, or geopolitical ideas that that's why we have to. That's why we have to protect Israel. Israel's God's chosen people. God's bringing them back. We're obligated to protect them and take care of them. And always 
side with, with Israel. If we didn't side with Israel, God was going to wipe us out. I think there out. are other geopolitical arguments to be made for having for sure. a very strong ally in that part of the world. But I, it's definitely far yeah. too theologically Here's- driven. But so all that to say, <sighs> covenantal theology says God had one plan all along. There's one tree. And God always planned to graft uh, a different ethnic group into that one tree. Um, You can see that in his promises to Abraham. Their promises sprinkled throughout the entire Old Testament. There is one tree and it does not look like any of us imagined that one tree would look like. But God's covenant people have always been... um, been covenanted to him and that defines who God's people right. are. And I, you know, the dispensational thing, just to close my thought too, is there's, there was a lot of circum, there was a lot of, uh, how do I say this? There was a lot of um, kind of implicit understanding behind it that God could only work certain ways in certain time periods. And he's not going to go outside of that. And I don't have any like examples, yeah, which is the word the dispensation like, as a time period. Yeah, it was like yeah. the God in a box thing. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. If he's God, why wouldn't he do that? So it was almost, and it just kind of resonated as sort of this man-made explanation thing that just didn't have any, I just didn't, like after experiencing life and all the hearing all the stories from around the world from mission kids and everything else, I'm like, that that doesn't fly with me. <laughs> and then I found covenantal theology. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. That makes a little more sense. I actually had a different experience. I found all of the, the figuring things out and matching events to and reading books i never read the left behind books but before those Neither came I. out i read some other just poor literature i couldn't actually well make it through. i i read some other books that were basically along the same lines like the rapture happens and people are left behind and you know they're trying to figure out things and they're using clues and the people who were churchgoers their whole lives are now converted and are you know, leading groups of believers and um, watching things unfold. I found it all like so exciting. And so um, just like, yeah, scintillating in a sense. And I, I guess I react in the way that I do now because I don't have the emotional energy to be scintillated. <laughs> but also, I just don't think that that's how God Wants, God wants his people to, you know, keep the, what's the the parable about the the women watching for the, is it the bridegroom? And, you know, like, keep your lamp full all the time. Just do the daily things that God puts before you and be less focused on connecting dots in global events because that distracts you from being faithful where you really, where it really counts is sort of my uh, pendulum reaction away from growing up in a, and connect the dots in an exciting just, way. Sort I of. mean, yeah, you're always kind of scintillated by the mystery and like, Ooh, there's secret codes in the Bible and God's going to do this, this and this. But I also think there's a human nature and we, we just have to know it's the same reason. Like, we know our arm is busted um, or whatever. Like I've got a torn ACL. Well, do I have a torn ACL? I don't know. I need to know. What is that going to change? It's not working right. You know, well, if I plan to get it. change if you are going to have surgery. Yeah. If it's going to have surgery, you got to know. But otherwise it's like, well, like, you know, you break your finger. It's like, well, I'm not going to do anything about it. So, you know, well, you should go get it checked out. Why? 
Like it's not working. It'll eventually heal. I'm just, I'm not even, you know. Yeah. And the doctor, especially the cases where it's like the doctor can't do anything for me. Yeah. We're just so like, yeah. American, like not human, human nature is just, we just want to know. We want to know and we want to control. Because that's, that's the point is because we feel like with knowledge comes power and we want to control. And I, I mean, truthfully, I think that that's part of why the 24-hour news cycle and this constant access to social media is so bad for us is because the more we know, the more we feel like we want to control, the more we feel like knowledge should equal power. And so if I know all of these things, I'm going to be better equipped. Or if I know all these things, I should be able to act and we can't. So we just get angry and frustrated. Yeah. Or we just, we, we become... I really like the way you put it. We become distracted by what's really, what we should really be doing. I mean, I'm not saying don't prepare for a power outage, you know. And don't, but, and don't, and also, I mean, I. But I mean, building I want, a Faraday room so you can protect yourself from an EMP is a little extreme. Probably. I don't know. Maybe if there's an EMP, we'll think differently. But currently, that's there's not like, it's just, we're in there's, 2024. If we're in we lose, actually. we're almost in 2024. If we lose internet. Just the internet. Forget about electricity for a second. If we yeah. lose just the internet, nobody can do anything because every payment system in your circle is based on the internet. If you can't access the internet, you can't buy stuff. You can't you sell can't stuff. You can't even pull cash out. You of can't an ATM. pull cash out of your ATM. You're you're screwed. And so considering like, how little cash we have on end, I am constantly in order to go buy milk yesterday. I was running short on time to go get to this gal's house when mm-hmm. I told her I was going to be there. <laughs> so I raided Lily's wallet. Like my kids have cash on hand and I have no cash on hand. I mean, we've got some cash on hand, but it's like, again, but like, not milk. Cash. If you do. Yeah. But I mean, you're not going to, it's just like, you can't get paid. So you're not going to be able to, like, it's, you're stuck with what you have. Yeah. In your our possession. economy. That's just the internet. Right. That's just if we lose the internet connection. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, we're so dependent on one little thing. It's scary. We are very, very dependent. And um, yeah, but it's the, the, as fish, you know, it's the water we're swimming in. So we can't even imagine swimming in different water. But um, did you have any switching gears almost completely? I'm just wondering if you had any closing thoughts. We've had a rousing series of discussions on our Telegram. Oh, man. About Taylor Swift, our discussions about her last week. And then that uh, sort of segued into discussions about swearing, Mm -hmm. um, which was... I feel like most of the people on there were sort of, or the people who responded were kind of an, of one mind on that. But I'm just curious if you had any. And the other people who didn't didn't up. respond are like, we don't swear. It's not good to swear. Yeah. Well. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was wondering, did was there anything in the conversation about Taylor Swift, I guess specifically, that uh, made you rethink things or gave you additional um, food for thought? I, I mean, you don't. We we touched on this, and I think I had the the comment running through my head, but I didn't say it out loud. You don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. You were making a an argument about you weren't you weren't arguing for throwing out. You were actually arguing for not throwing out the baby with the bathwater, but it wasn't quite succinct like that. Um, 
and that that was only spurred to me by by saying how much music has impacted somebody through the years and how people resonate with uh, lyrical content or subject matter of somebody's songs. And then, I mean, that's that's what's so beautiful to me about music. That's why I love it. And it's not limited to Taylor Swift. Like in my day, I mean, you know, my my high school was full of Green Day, The Offspring, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Bush, you know, all these bands that um, came up through the 90s Seattle grunge scene, plus some of the early stuff on Tooth and Nail Records. Um, I remember when Plank Eye released a record and there was they they essentially had a rock alt-rock version of a praise and worship song and i was blown away i'm like this is this is incredible and then petra starts to come out with petra praise and so you you know you have these songs that you grow up with that resonate with you and that's that's the beauty of music i mean that's what david did all through the psalms he used music to soothe are you comparing taylor swift with david no i'm comparing (laughs) music and artistry as a way to communicate very deep Very, soul level especially to the soul that other things can't do yeah because if 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 saul could have been calmed by david preaching at him mm-hmm. he would have done that but it didn't work no you need music to get there and so i do believe music has a special power over um to be able to uh get through areas in our lives where we wouldn't move our emotions where we wouldn't have mm-hmm. otherwise be able to move and obviously you can take that to two extremes you know you can use it to manipulate and control and then you can ignore it all together and i don't think either one of those are healthy but um by saying taylor swift can't have that effect on somebody is is stupid it's just not how music works but you also again it's at two extremes you can idolatry you know you can idolize taylor swift or Mm -hmm. you can dismiss her completely um and neither one is a is appropriate i mean with all this stuff it's just kind of having an appropriate handle on it so that would be the only addition the only, to it yeah the only thing i would have to i add, to having i became to me aware that. in the interactions i was having how out of touch i am because again like i said the only thing i know of hers <clears throat> is shake it off and that comes from a pig singing it and sing i don't know any of her music i mean i probably heard it but it's like God, and um and there's a whole generation in america that literally grew up with her <laughs> no, i mean she's oh yeah 100 about her phase in life and it's resonating with people who are that age and going through those things. And then she, you know, then she's got another and there are people there. Apparently you can categorize eras in her music um, based on how old she was and what she was going through as she was growing up in those ages. And I did feel like the people who said, yeah, I was really into her when I was young or I've got tons of friends who are Swifties or, you know, I have really internalized some of her music and felt like it spoke things that my soul was having trouble speaking. I feel like they were all in that same, like grew up with her era Mm -hmm. um, or age uh, where, you know, I'm not, I've always been culturally out of touch. That's just a function. I think of my brain and my personality, but particularly because I was not paying attention to pop music when she was coming up and becoming a great artist. I didn't necessarily, I mean, I knew that she was, I mean, everybody that responded that has either gone to her, the movie. So in AMC theaters, they're showing the movies of her concert and you can do the, the IMAX one, Mm -hmm. which somebody contacted me who had been to the IMAX experience of it. And she had taken, was it in 3d? uh, Yes. And surround sound. I think 
she took a foster daughter to it and she was like, it was way too much for me. (laughs) (laughs) Stimulation overload. But, um, but anyway, so, but you know, and saying she, she's a very impressive person in terms of her business acumen and all those things. And the show was just a fun show to be in, uh, regardless of how you feel like about her music. And I do know of one person who became a fan after going to the show with a group of friends because she was just blown away by how phenomenal the show was. So I'm not, I, I, I gotta be honest. Like I remember years ago I saw Arcade Fire, uh, kind of a last minute thing with a, a friend of mine at a work conference. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to see Arcade Fire tonight. You want to go? I have an extra ticket. I'm like, sure. And I'd never listened. My sister was a big fan of Arcade Fire and played one of their songs at the wedding. I'd never really like, eh. I went to the show and they were such great performers and the music was so sound solid. I was like, I became a fan at, at, at that moment. I was like, this, this is phenomenal. Like I, I haven't quite, it's one of my, it's my top, probably the top concert. Like in, in terms of live shows I've been to arcade fire was number one tool was number two. Yeah. That'd probably be about it. Cool. Um, I've made some really good muffins lately. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Hang on. My neck hurts. I need to get a brace. That a was some crazy whiplash. whiplash. <laughs> I don't have anything else to say about Taylor Swift, so I'm going to switch to muffins. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I didn't have a good way to close that. <laughs> <laughs> Reflections on a concert you've been to you liked? You don't go to concerts. I don't Saturday, really. Right? I mean, Top House was great. <laughs> we <laughs> talked about that. I, the the whole thing about crowds and stuff to me, like, I'm not. Oh, you don't have to comment. I was just making a joke. I know. I know. I actually do not. I do enjoy smaller shows more than I do bigger ones. Part in huge part because of the hassle of being part of a massive crowd. I joined a band last week. Very stressful to me. The first time since 2003, I've been in a band that's not been a worship team so this should be kind of fun i'm looking for it first first practice is tomorrow we'll see what happens we'll see what happens yeah she's got a quite the eclectic mix of people for a probably closest genre would be like a dark alternative country sound thing topically too so it'll be interesting don't even know what dark country is yeah i t- well josh langston who i toured with this summer was all was pretty dark much dark country, country. Okay. yeah and there's a whole subgenre of like okay so it's whoa. like the like the we're broken drunk all the time and our family is all dying from no fentanyl no topics country. yeah i mean yeah <laughs> some of that you know you're dealing with the heavier topics and it's all it's, it has country rhythms country chord structure is more of a country uh, foundation to it but you end up mixing in a lot of just you know more electric guitars some other stuff that's a little bit heavier that sounds really depressing it's good stuff. It's really okay. good. It's got, I mean, if you play music as a musician, it's got to resonate with you. Otherwise, it's just no, like, I mean, there's the, well, no, you can be a paid musician and just do things. Okay. So, anyway, about those muffins. muffins. About those muffins. <laughs> um, I, if you guys haven't had morning glory muffins, give them a try. I'll have JR post the link to the recipe that I have been using. And it uses, part of the reason I've been using it is it uses zucchini, and we still have oodles of zucchini sitting around our house. And uh, it's also a great way to get kids eating vegetables because there's zucchini and shredded carrots in it, applesauce and, 
you can add all sorts of different seeds and nuts. The recipe I use calls for walnuts and I don't like them, so I don't buy them, but you could add chopped almonds. I always add uh, pumpkin seeds because pumpkin seeds are phenomenal for you. They're anti-parasitic. They, and they have a bunch of like magnesium and other minerals in them. So eat your pumpkin seeds, make some muffins with pumpkin seeds. And then what was a fun experiment that I did, because I've made these a couple times for traveling, because if the kids, you know, want a snack while we're driving, uh, they're a great thing to pull out because they're wholesome. And, but they, they only last about a day in a tub or a, con- a travel container and muffins just get squished and then they get kind of slimy because they're still moist. And so I I got this vision to cook them really thinly. So take the muffin batter and spread it. I don't know. What is that? Like a quarter of an inch yeah. thick on like I was going to do parchment paper, but on Amazon Prime Day just a couple of weeks ago, I ended up picking up some silicone fruit leather square trays that fit right in my dehydrator. So I baked them right on that. And then, and it puffed up, you know, cause they're leavened with baking soda. So it puffed up to maybe a little bit more than a quarter of an inch thick. And then I just cut those trays kind of like you would do biscotti. I cut them after they had cooled a little bit into squares and then popped them in the dehydrator for about maybe 12 hours, just overnight at like 125 degrees. And they came out, uh, Titus agreed with me. I didn't, I didn't lead the witness. I offered one to him and he said it tasted like a graham cracker. So it doesn't exactly have the flavor of a graham cracker, but it's, it, you know, it's in that neighborhood. Other than he's like, I've never really tasted anything quite like it. And I was like, that's because I literally baked a muffin super thin. I wonder if you added, if you added molasses that would make it taste even more like a graham cracker yeah it probably would i could add i was actually thinking there's that other recipe that i love to do with fall baking that uses it's like a gingerbread pumpkin apple muffin Mm -hmm. i was thinking of trying that but instead of fresh apples using some crumbled up dehydrated apples because then i would be dehydrating it again anyway and uh yeah then it would be and then spring i sprinkled it with cinnamon sugar to add a little bit more flavor uh, but anyway, if you have a dehydrator and you, this is a very niche idea. If you like eating whole foods and you have four kids that you live out of a van with and you want good travel snacks, <laughs> maybe consider baking a muffin super thin and dehydrating it into a cracker. Cause that's what I just did. And it was kind of a fun experiment. We'll see. I, I did this round because opening elk hunting is on Saturday and JR likes to have healthy things that he can take snack in his pack to pack, snack. Yeah. So we've made our first round of jerky using elk and elk roast and that's ready to go. And then you can take some of these and they have sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds and freshly ground kemet flour and carrot and zucchini and applesauce. And oddly, I've really been enjoying a good cold cut sandwich these days. Like I kind of quit sandwiches altogether back when years ago, back when your parents read wheat belly, you mm-hmm. know, stopped gluten. Um, Cause I, you know, you realize how much bread you've been eating when you, you know, kill it. But man, like I've just had this, like, it's just delicious pilot full of meat, some lettuce. Oh, especially if some it's, mayonnaise uh, and a fresh tomato, a little bit, a little sriracha sauce. Oh yeah. Super good. When, when have you had a cold cut recently? I don't buy 
meat like that. Oh, your dad, your dad always has sandwich meat up at the cabin. Oh. And I have frequently when I've been out like working or something oh. and I've, I miss a meal, I'll go like to Jimmy John's. <laughs> like, Ooh, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I. The last, oh, uh, where did Titus and I go recently? Where I had, he's like, dad is addicted to sandwiches right now. Like I bought sliced meat. Oh, you went to some butter Colorado lettuce that summer. When I went to Colorado. Yeah. Titus, like Titus just couldn't get over because I was having sandwiches every meal, like at breakfast. Oh, I could go for a sandwich right now. Watch. You know, when I took you to Bozeman for your dentist appointment and I dropped you off for your oral surgery, it was like nine in the morning and I was craving a sandwich. So I went yeah. to the deli of the grocery store up the street and bought myself it was a just deli super refreshing. sandwich it was like, for breakfast. Mm, <laughs> this is crispy and delicious and... You know, it's full of like fresh flavors. I like this. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, anyway. Okay, guys. So um, I, Molly missed a great opportunity to hustle some headphones that she just bought through our Amazon affiliate link when she was talking about grinding, you know, making muffins That's and grinding true. meat. Um, but anyway, I'll include, they're good for uh, grinding, milling your flour, shooting your gun and weed whacking your farm. Yep. Your homestead. I picked him up. <laughs> I picked up two pairs, you guys, on Amazon Prime Day. And I I have this very old pair that we co-opted from my parents years ago, I'm sure. And they're they Is it the big bulky white the ones? The big white ones. Oh, I co-opted those from my dad back in the 80s. Oh, those are his. They're super yeah. uncomfortable. They smash your head and you know, get oh, in the yeah. anyway. Th- I've been keeping them with the weed whacker, and then I was keeping them with the flower grinder. And then they just disappear every now and then for extended periods of time. So I was like, I'm going to buy a set of these that are on a really good deal right now. And I'm going to keep them with the wheat grinder. And I'm going to say, nobody can touch these. These are mom's. These are mom's ear protection. And then I'm going to buy another pair just so people know that there is another pair available. And if you lose those, you got to go find them. You can't take mom's. But uh, JR took three of the four kids out to the shooting range on Sunday and all of them needed ear protection. So if they grovel in the future, rather than going and nabbing ear protection from my parents, I might let my wheat grinding and weed whacking <coughs> ear protection go to the gun range, but it's going to take some groveling. Point being, um, their Check walkers, their walkers, need... Molly got them on prime day for super cheap. And um, they're the type that are battery powered. So if you are if you're on the gun range shooting, or you go do sporting clays, or you know, dad wants to use them, uh, they have built-in microphone and noise canceling. So it, it it minimizes the noise that causes a problem, but still you can talk to people without having to take them off. Um, but they are really comfortable. The ones you were talking about, I wore a lot working on the van, and so I'd have them like sitting up here on my temple. Oh, and then they hurt. Your oh, head. they just you smash your head. So anyway. Um, sorry guys, that was our shameless plug because we're an Amazon affiliate and we can, you know, we make a buck or two, uh, a month or a week whenever you guys buy stuff with our links and all that money goes back into funding our show and our lives and getting our kids dental bills. So it's fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> pay for like, like one, one day of Elise's myo brace. Yeah. Maybe. One day. Not maybe. even one day. <laughs> maybe one day. So anyway, um, all the other links, uh, links to our telegram group, um, Links to um, uh, our, our Too Busy to Flush postcards for Molly's Telegram group. And any, I um, can't remember what else we brought up. Some Body Talk basics. All the other links are going to be in the bottom of 
the show notes. Peak T, I'll include a referral code for that for Peak T. Um, are all going to be included in the bottom of the show notes. So go through, click there. Um, send us a message. You can do that on any of those links, Telegram, postcard. You can also send us an email, uh, TV, the number 2F, TB2F at PM, papamike.me, PM.me. You can send us an email there too. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a moment and you listen on iTunes, we'd love to uh, love for you to just click on over there and give us a review. Um, if it's a high star, great. If it's a low star, don't leave us a review. Just email us and tell us how terrible you think we are and leave the reviews alone because um, other people don't think we're terrible. So um, we appreciate the referrals. If you had a good episode or whatever, um, you know, you can uh, shoot it off to somebody. We do have a feature on our podcast player where you can actually go and highlight a clip of something that was really cool and share it to your social media profiles. It's called Recast. It's kind of nifty. You can find that on our blog. Uh, other than that, um, we are a weekly podcast and we do try to be somewhat consistent. The next couple of weeks are going to be fairly consistent because Wednesday is pretty much the only day I'm going to be home for the next few weeks. So it's the only uh, full day I'm going to be home. So it's the only drill uh, time we can record the podcast. That said, I'm going to throw it to Molly to say goodbye. Uh, thanks for spending the last what hour and 10 minutes with us. I'll, I'll edit out the proportion we went upstairs. Okay. Thanks for spending the last however much time with us. And we hope to see you again next week.